Trainer. Yo, yo, this is Justin Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. Thanks for clicking on our conversation with Jack J, also known as JVCKJ. He has a brand new EP out. It's called Pastel, The Early Days. There's a link in the description below. If you haven't listened to it yet, good guy. We're going to cover absolutely everything. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. Dude, you have a new EP out. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. It means the world. Pastel, the Pastel. early days. Pastel, the early days, yeah. Uh, when I hear it, I hear a bunch of different sounds, but I hear a guy who, is, from what I hear, is speaking a version of the truth to some degree. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say, like, there's, there's a good grip of truth in every, every song. I like to exaggerate the truth sometimes or, you know, sometimes put myself in someone else's shoes or sometimes just write a story from like a completely different perspective. That's not my own. could be completely fabricated, but this, this project was very personal. Um, and yeah, a, a lot of the songs in this one definitely were, were personal records for sure. So. It sounded like a journey for you. I mean, it sounded like you were trying to correct me if I'm wrong here. Like you had a way that you wanted to share your stories, but in terms of a sound, you were, kind of exploring that. Yeah, absolutely, you know? And I don't know, the weird thing to me is like, you know, you'll, you'll see these artists who have like a very distinct specific sound and they might be like, you know, hot for a couple of years, but then that sound might become a little played out or might, you know, become stale. And so to me, it's like, you know, as much as I want to develop like my sound or what the staple signature Jack J sound is, um, I always want to be, you know, versatile. I never want to be boxed in in terms of a genre, in terms of like, you know, what you expect. I don't want people to know what to expect from me. I want them to always be on their toes. And so, you know, an artist like, uh, like X, like X, X, Tentacion, he was someone who like I admired musically from the, from the standpoint where like, you know, he would be like singing some beautiful on one record and then bam, the next record is some like in your face hip hop, but not even just him. I mean, there's a million people who I think are versatile and I draw inspiration from, but I don't ever want to be boxed into like, you know, this is what Jack J sounds like. Cause there's never going to be a sound sound for me. If that makes sense. You know, I want to always let people guess it. Do you feel like your stuff was predictable when you were doing Jack and Jack work? Um, I wouldn't say, not really, honestly. I mean, like, to an extent, I think, like, a lot of, a lot of, like, the demo songs we were cutting kind of felt that were, like, a little more, like, pop-driven, um, where I feel like, you know, that sonically they were more hand-in-hand with one another because, you know, they were, they were coming from, like, you know, similar writers or, or producers. Um, and to me, like, our final project, there was probably about half of them were, Half of them were about, uh, probably about half of them were songs that me and G actually kind of made and curated and had a hand in helping create. And then like the other half were just like demos that like our label had sent to us and whatnot. And just wanted to see how we sounded on them. And so to me, there wasn't much of an identity there, even like it still kind of felt a little all over the place. Um, But I would say like sonically, you know, it was definitely going in a pop direction, um, which there was nothing wrong with, you know, I just definitely wanted to to showcase what I could do on, on the hip hop front and like, you know, not even hip hop. Not even all these songs are hip hop, but yeah. I yeah. What direction that. do you feel like this EP took you in? It's a good question. You know, there's definitely a lot of hip hop undertones. The back half for sure is hip hop. The final three records for sure are all, you know, just like more lyrical, like bangers, just like you know, fa- fast spitting. You know, just getting my alliteration out there, showcasing what I can do from a hip hop standpoint. But the front half, you know, I really wanted to experiment with the the melodies and the vocals. And you know, City of Thrills, I'm not really rapping at all on that. I do like some melodic rapping in verse too, but. Pretty much that entire song is, 
you know, me singing, which was kind of nerve wracking. Cause then we, we transposed it and translated it live at this live show we just did this weekend. And you know, it was probably the most I'd ever sang just me like as an artist uh, in a live show. Usually G would be taking the bulk of the singing and I would be hitting the rap verses. I might be doing a little bit of like harmonizing here and there, a couple pre hooks here and there, but it was crazy doing like full length, like singing songs like while I was playing piano and I felt like it really pushed me as an artist this weekend doing the, those virtual shows. But yeah, I mean, genre wise, like I wouldn't call it a hip hop project. I mean, I guess you could, could consider it a hip hop project because like the majority of is me rapping and whatnot. But I think it's just like, you know, it's a, it's a music project. I, I, I'm kind of just over genres, dude. I don't know. I don't like putting titles on. How good did it feel the first time getting into the studio to work alone on this because you and Jack have always been together kind of doing what somebody else wanted you to do. So what was it like when you first got in the studio to do your own project? That's a good question. I, I will say it was both very liberating and kind of nerve wracking, you know, because anytime me and G had been, I mean, I had made songs like, you know, in my, uh, in my home studio and whatnot, just by myself. Um, but anything we had put out had always been a Jack and Jack song for the most part. And so, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of weird just like working by myself with the producer, um, with Ryan. The first session was City of Thrills. The first song on there was actually the very first session I did um, post the Good Friends Are Nice tour, post me and G coming to the agreement. We're like, okay, we're going to make solo projects. And so it was definitely like liberating though, extremely in a sense where I was like, damn, like anything I want to do, it's like, you know, there's, it's, it, we're starting this song from scratch, from the ground up, which to me is always the most exciting way to work. You know, I like, I like starting stuff acoustically. My boy Ryan had this kind of like bare bones beat. There was no drums in there yet. It was just the piano. Um, and we kind of just built it from the ground up. And I had, I had this idea I had wanted to write about and this felt like the perfect instrumental for it. And so it was, it was very liberating in the sense where it's like, you know, it's truly all just coming from my head, from my mind. There's no middle ground we have to find, whether it be between me and G, between like me and the A&R, like whatever it may be. It felt like it was like I had the reins, like finally for the first time, which was very exciting. You know, it was definitely a liberating feeling. In City of Thrills, sorry, I, I for some reason I want to say Trills all the time, and that is like, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't even have the app. Um, but but in, in City of Thrills, you do sing about losing something, losing it all. What is that? What is losing it all to you? So, yeah, I mean, that's that whole song. I was gonna, I was debating between calling it City of Thrills or Lost and Found because it's kind of like the whole, uh, I guess theme that the whole song encompasses is just losing yourself, finding yourself. And especially in a city, city of thrills is Los Angeles. So like that, you know, um, for those who may not know, that's like, that's my place where I felt like I lost myself for a while, for a moment in time. And this was like, you know, this was when me and G were just, we were comfortable. We were like, okay, you know, we made all this money from like uh, vine brand deals. And like, you know, our songs are like going crazy and streaming like crazy. We were still independent. There wasn't that many hands in the pot, you know, so to speak. And we felt like, yo, we were just on top of the world. Like, Oh, this world is ours, this city is ours. And we don't have to really work as hard as we uh, later realized we probably should have been working, you know? And so uh, we definitely got comfortable. And I think with comfortability becomes, uh, you become stagnant, you know? You just are kind of falling into the same routine day by day and you just end up doing the same. We got caught up in the party scene, just going out all the time. And we're like, you know, we felt like we were these kids who had made it, even though we were so far from even scratching the surface. Looking back on it, hindsight's always twenty twenty, of course. And so, I felt like I lost myself just to, to the city of Los Angeles, just to, you know, like the, the nightlife. And like, you know, we were partying five days a week and we weren't working as hard as we should have been. We weren't in the studio as much as we should have been. And when I say to find yourself, you got to lose yourself in the second verse. I think it's very true. Sometimes you got to sometimes be in those moments of despair and loss where you feel like, you know, you don't even know who the f 
you are you don't even know who you're looking at in the mirror in order to you know find clarity for where the future is going to take you in order to find you know what that next step is sometimes those moments of turmoil and distress can like really provide some clarity at times and so there wasn't like a focal point for me i would say where i was like okay this has to change right now but it was like a period of time where I was like, I would look back and reflect on it and be like unhappy with what I had done with the past, you know, year, couple of years of my life and been like, damn, I could have done so much more, you know, I'm not living up to my true potential. And so that's the whole concept of that song. You know, you got to find yourself and lose yourself. Sometimes in the thick of the fog is where you see the truth. So with all yeah. that said, do you wish there was somebody around you back in the day, a few years ago saying, yo, you ain't, you need to keep working. Absolutely, bro. I mean, I can't lie, man. There was so many what do you call them? Yes, men, just yes, men around enablers, people who yeah. just like, you know, they tell you what you want to hear because you might be providing them with something or, you know, you might be buying their dinner, or letting them. Dude, they're not long-term people. They're short-term individuals who are there just to take, take, take as much as they can, as fast as they can. And they're not invested in your life because you know, your career, your work on Vine, your identity is not a fad. It's a forever and yeah. these people are going to treat you like a f they're going to cash out as quickly and as easily as possible and the easiest way to do that is the road of least resistance so it's never going to be no because they're not they don't they're short-sighted people most likely because i feel like a lot of those people like just aren't in my life at all anymore only the ones Who's who are always honest with me and like always real with me because now it's like bro my meter is like at an all-time high it's like yo i can tell when someone's being a yes man back when i first came out to la when me and g first got out here it was like dude it was it was, it was tough to gauge that sometimes, you know? Totally. And a part of you probably wanted it too. It just made life a little bit easier. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Just like if, all my ideas were great and perfect. Yeah, of course. It made everything way easier, obviously. But if you had somebody back then kind of putting you in your place, telling you to, you know, what you're doing is dumb, would you have listened to them? Or did you think you, you kind of knew it all? It's tough to say, you know? It's tough to say looking back on it. Um, I feel like I would always appreciate, you know, like I, I would never be the guy who like, oh, if you try to press me on something, like, I cut you off or like, you know, I'm pissed at you or we have beef. Like I always appreciate honesty. And so I feel like I definitely would, would not have taken it with a grain of salt. I would have truly like, you know, believed if somebody was telling me, you know, you got to fix it and you got to fix it. And it was weird. Cause me and G we, we were still like going on tours, but like, it was like when we were like, we were still being productive in a sense, but it's like when we were back in the city, we weren't like, you know, fully just utilizing our time the way we could have been, you know, we weren't being as productive, not pushing out enough content. You know, we just, we felt comfortable. And so, it wasn't like a rock bottom, rock bottom where we felt like, okay, like everything had gone. To it was more just like, okay, there was those moments of productivity and then there was those moments of not, but it's not like we were always trying to strive for. But when the comfort things. outweighs the productivity, you have a problem. Yeah, exactly. That was the main problem. And in the equation, the comfort, you know, was, was on top of the productivity and like, it can never be like that. You know, you gotta, you gotta. You can't be productive to be comfortable. You said what? You can't really be productive to be comfortable. No, not at all. You know, you find, you find progression as a human. I mean, that's what pastel is all about, man. You find, you find progression in those moments of un uncomfort. You, you push yourself, you end up growing because of it, you know? And also like true productivity comes from passion. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're not truly passionate about what you're going to do, you're not going to be at your peak productivity. You know, if you're working this job that, you know, you're just doing it to, to get by, you're probably not going to be the absolute best at that job versus somebody who actually loves that job and is like, okay, I'm going to put my all into this because it's like actually my passion. So hundred percent could not have been said better. Truly. Zach Sang Show. Yo, beautiful human. I got to hit pause real quick to tell you about Jackbox games. I'm obsessed. Jackbox party pack seven is here. It's a new pack of games, five unique games that are guaranteed to bring laughter and joy to your holiday. 
play with your friends, play with your family. doesn't matter who you play with. You guys are guaranteed to have fun. My friends and I play Quiplash 3 all the time. It's when you and your friends battle it out head-to-head. Whoever has the most hilarious answer to the quirky prompts ends up winning. Or y'all can channel your inner artist by drawing a character and champed up. Then you take on other players to see if your hero will become the champion. Or y'all can try to survive the collaborative chaos of the devil in the details, where you and your friends must work together to complete tasks before the time runs out. Jackbox Games is everywhere that you are. Any device that you have, Jackbox Games is there. They're on Steam for Windows or Mac, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, iPad, or any cell phone, mobile device, any web-enabled device. You can use all those as controllers. You're going to need three-day players to play, and up to 10,000 people could be in the audience. Visit jackboxgames.com to learn more. I'm telling you, it's totally worth it. It's the most fun. Zach Sang Show. Did you and Jack accomplish everything you wanted to as Jack and Jack, or do you think you could have accomplished more looking back at what you're talking about now? Oh, I think we definitely could have accomplished more. I think we're going to accomplish more. I mean, there's, there's a lot on the horizons for Jack and Jack. Um, but there's, there's so much, yeah. I mean, I feel like we could have, um, it's funny because shout out to our boy, Sean. I know you guys just did an interview with Sean, right? Because he just dropped his project. He was always one of those people. Anytime we would be like doing a show with him or like, you know, we had a couple shows in like uh, Hershey Park, Pennsylvania. It's called the show of the summer. And like, he would always be like headlining that. And me and G were like, you know, a couple of slots before him type. We were always like, damn, we want to get on to Sean's level. And he would always be like in the green room telling us like, yo guys, you got to, you got to really focus in, you know, like I literally haven't gone out in the last two years. Like I've been like literally just doing my vocal warm ups every day, practicing guitar every day, writing songs every day. And me and you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we would, we would like, you know, we would listen to him, but we wouldn't yeah, act, implement what he would say, you know? And, and just like, you know, there was definitely those people along the way who, you know, uh, in a sense, like kind of try to give us a wake up call. Um, but sometimes you just got to figure it out for yourself, you know, and you got to actually go through it to figure it out for yourself. Um, but, but, but the truth is, like, there's no path here in this game that is no work required. And not, like, an insane amount of work required. And also with that work, like, comes, like, a little bit, a, a, a strong amount of selfishness to a certain degree because you have to kind of self-insulate to get really good at what you do. Um, like, dude, the gift can come naturally to you, and then you still got to work whether that's promo or studio or touring, or it could be like Sean, which he's very honest about. Like none of that came easy to him. It still doesn't like he really, he works actively at it every day and he practiced like a crazy person. Like, like, yeah, he put in 10,000 hours probably six years ago when we first met him. Literally he probably already put in that work by then. You know what I'm saying? And And that's one of those rare cases where like, ultimate hard work meets ultimate talent, you know, which is like, that's an unstoppable force. That's a force to be reckoned with. And, but like, it's the most cliche phrase in the game, but straight up hard work always beats talent. There's going to be somebody who's always willing to outwork you. You can be so naturally talented. I mean, you see it in sports all the time, you know, like people like Josh Gordon, who like, you know, he's one of the most skilled receivers in the world, but he's been cut from like six, seven different teams. Cause he just, you know, he just like, he's too obsessed with, you know, getting high and just like kind of sitting on his ass. And but it's like, I don't know, there's a million people you could reference to, the, to the whole fact that like you know hard work always beats talent but it's true man it's true, true. you got to figure out how to balance them well this is a wake-up call for me casamigas <laughs> is a great record you sing in spanish did that come naturally to you i mean honestly i heard the i heard the beat from my buddy ryan um shout out to ryan he produced like i think four yeah. of the tracks on here 
Who is Ryan who? What's his last name? His name is Ryan Ogren. He did a lot of shit on Mine and G's stuff, like Two Cigarettes, uh, this record, okay. I Don't Know. We had this record called Stay With Me. A bunch of our favorite records that we ever made um, were Ryan produced, Ryan Ogren. He's a dope producer. He's with Prescription under, like, under Dr. Luke's camp. Um, yeah. And he's just become a great uh, friend and collaborator over the years. And so I knew I wanted to tap into him for, I think he did City of Thrills. He did You Lie. He did Patience and he did Casamigos, the production on all of those. And um, he had sent me like some of these beats. Actually, no, I think we were in the studio listening to, through to some of his beats. And I heard the Casamigos beat and I was like, damn, like I've been trying to put, you know, uh, put together a Spanglish record forever where, you know, I'm showcasing like what little Spanish I do know. I feel like I have a pretty authentic accent, which has always helped me. Um, but I've always wanted to, you know, kind of find a hybrid somewhere in there, something that could take the Latin world by storm, you know? And so that's how Casamigos came about. And I'm a huge tequila drinker, like massive tequila fan. <laughs> So, seemed like a no-brainer, you know? Now, patience, is that you kind of just, is that, in a way, that's kind of what you were just talking to us about. Like, it's putting in the work throughout the years, but at the same time, it sounds like you have a problem with record labels. Well, this is the thing. I mean, uh, that song, yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that song. And it's funny, because some, some fans were, like, you know, making a fuss out of it. They're like, oh, is this, like, a diss song on, like, Jack G or something? I was like, bro, shut the fuck. Like, I made this record before we even decided, like, that we were putting out solo product, like, way, way, way back. And uh, <laughs> it was funny because, like, people are like, you know, he's with the island currently. And, like, you know, I'm not with the label right now. And so people were like, oh, are you, it's like first verse about him. And I was like, no, listen, listen. This is a blueprint for artists in general to own your as long as possible. Don't jump into the first deal that comes your way because it's never going to end up good for you. I mean, it can. It can in, like, rare instances. But, you know, it's best to hold off as long as possible, especially in this age of social media-driven, you know, content where it's, like, anything can pop for any given reason. There's a million ways to market. You don't necessarily need the muscle that the major labels once provided. Um, but even in the second verse with the artists who did it right, you know, it's kind of like a dual perspective record. Even in the second verse with the artists who did it right, he still ended up signing a deal, but it was on his own terms. You know, he owned his masters. He chose his track list. So... It wasn't to say that like, it wasn't like a diss towards labels in any way. It's just, it's more of uh, stay heads up in your career. You know, make sure you're always aware of everything going on. Read the fine print. Um, don't just sign the first bonus that comes your way because you're blinded by the money, the lights, the chains, the cars, like whatever that could come along hand in hand with that bonus. You gotta, you gotta be patient. You know, the long-term bag is what you should be looking for as an artist, not just in hip hop. You know, of course, this song was about two rappers, like a dual perspective rapper, uh, record where they, one went this path. I like to think of it as the same guy. One went this path in the first verse, uh, and then the same guy chose this path in the second verse, you know? And so um, it's really, I just want it to be a blueprint where it's like, you know, just hold on to your as long as you can and make sure if you're signing a deal, it's on your own terms because you are the artist, you know? The label, I mean, these people all have opinions and stuff and they have money and they have, you know, ways they can market you and, and get you out there. But you got, things got to be coming from you, you know? It's got to be coming from your soul. You got to, like, say if you don't like a song that the label wants you to do, you got to be like, no, I don't think this. You know, you can't just, like, kind of be a pawn in the game is all the whole concept was trying to, I guess, get at for the most part. So are you not looking to be signed? Uh, Definitely not, like, anytime soon unless it was, like, you know, unless it was the right deal. I mean, it, it was kind of difficult. It, it took a minute to, like, get out of Island, get the release contract figured out because they had the next option to Mine and G's projects. And, but we hadn't figured out whether or not it was like for Solo or for Jack and Jack. Like we thought it was just for Jack and Jack. So I thought I was just scotch-free. Like I could uh -huh. put my shit out. Cause I, I had built out this whole project and I was like, why would I give up like so much of this project in my masters and shit when like, you know, they had no hand in, in curating it or creating it. It was all for me, you know? And so I just assumed like after our first project, me and G had a one project deal with an option for our first Island deal. 
I thought like I was good to go, but I guess they still had like somewhere in the fine print, like the, the option to, to re up the, the contract. And so I just had a, I, I love everybody over there. I had a great call with darkest, the president. And like, he was very understanding where I was like, you know, this, this project kind of, you know, came from my soul. Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to give away so much uh, of this thing that I created. And we ended up agreeing on this deal where it's like, okay, if the project sells like past 50,000 units, then they have the right to upstream it or something like that. There was like some sort of upstream option in this release contract that I figured out with Island. But it's not, it's not to say I never like would want to be with a label again. I just think there's so much power and independence in figuring out how to do this, you know, on your own. It helps you learn a lot about the behind the scenes. Like I want to be a music executive one day too. I want to have my own label, you know? And so uh, I think being with the label did not help me learn much about the behind the scenes, how like, you know, operates, you know, how these DSPs work, how you like now I'm hands on with every single conversation, whether that be with my PR team, with my music video concepts, with my music video directors, you know, with my producers and, to- and talking in terms of splits, like it's, I'm having these conversations and it's helping me learn so much more, like tenfold more than I would have learned, you know, being with a major right now. Totally. And yeah. On top of that, I feel like, you know, I'm reaping the benefits more because I own my catalog. You know? So, yeah. And it, you know, it's unique. It's like you get to a certain point in your career where you get to be the executive where you have a label work for you, essentially. It yeah. Takes a long time to get there. Like that's not an overnight thing, you know? Totally. Um, totally. But then also like you have people who I have a couple friends that own their own everything. Dude, it is like a unicorn, yo. It's like a pig walking in a tuxedo, walking on hind legs, smoking a cigar. It's like, it's so rare. And for them to be successful is even more rare. You know what I mean? Like, of course you have artists who own their own, but like who gives a like something that gets no attention is no value to it. Of course. I mean, IP has a baseline value because art comes from the soul and the mind. And I respect that, but it takes time for art to accumulate value. And, you know, usually people don't want to own something that has nothing. No, of um, course. Yeah. And, and it's hard to grow grassroots something out of nothing. And I think a lot of times things do pop off on TikTok. And then a lot of things on TikTok are manufactured by puppeteers in the background that nobody even knows about. You know what the craziest thing to me about these whole, this whole TikTok fad of like, you know, records popping on there yeah. is you notice, like I've noticed so many artists who will have like one hit on TikTok and then like all like, you know, stock them on Instagram or something like, oh, I wonder what this artist is doing. And they have nothing else. And then, oh, they're signed to a major label, but like, and they have like a project coming out, but it's like, it just like doesn't feel... Like, it's like, are they ever going to have another hit again? Like, they were doing great as just themselves. It's like, why would you sign that deal based off one? Well, because there's a lot of money to be made. A lot of money. Singles deal or off of anything more. Like, Lil Nas X will never have to work again in his life. Um, uh, 24K Golden will never have to work again in his life. Um, Who else? Uh, Pau Fu probably will have to. No, I don't think so. He signed a label deal, and now he's writing a bunch of records. Um, but the truth is, ultimately, we're we're gonna see a res- like a huge surge of like the next generation one hit wonders. And I'm not even saying any of the artists I named are a part of that elite group, but it, undoubtedly we will see that. Of as- course, especially with a platform like TikTok, it's like yes. you know, there's gonna be a million of them. But it's we're in this industry where it's so like it's music is the most oversaturated it's ever been, you know. And for something to rise to the surface is like more rare than ever because of all the competition. I think at the end of the day. And so, you know, there's, there's ways you can go about it. I just, the one thing that like kind of 
irks me is when I see somebody who had such this, this great record that they put out on TikTok and got so much love. And then I go to their page and it seems like they're becoming this manufactured kind of just, you know, pawn in the game, which, you know, uh, not everybody takes that route, but there's, I've definitely seen just like random artists on there that I'm like, okay, like I don't believe in them anymore because of how t- overtaken they've become in a sense. You know? I, hey, I don't disagree. Long-term bag versus short-term bag. And I mean, sometimes you can kind of like work somewhere in the middle, but ultimately oh. it's, you know, based on, what the label sees is your, uh, what you can bring, what, what you, what you, what your potential is, you know? Of course. Yeah. And I, you know, we're in this day and age where I think it's becoming less and less necessary to have major label support than ever. They used to be the, the, the tell all gatekeepers. It's like, okay, you're going through them or else you're just never going to see the light of day. Yeah. Before the internet boom, of course. But now so, it's like, there's so many ways around it. There's so many other, you know, different avenues of promotion and, and yeah, you know, my, the biggest thing about patience was just challenge any aspiring artist who was listening to that record to, you know, like think for a second, just take a step back. Don't stand too close to the elephant and be blinded by like, you know, all the, all the flashing lights and glamor and what you think comes along with a major label deal. Cause trust me, I've been in a major label deal and you know, I felt like I progressed like not much at all as an artist during that, like less than ever. And like, not saying that's the case for everybody, but that's just from a personal standpoint and you know, yeah, I don't know. So how good does it see, uh, feel seeing that the project has 500,000 streams on Spotify just on your own? Crazy, man. That's just like all got to give all that love to the fans. They've been going so hard. And yeah, it's great because we were, we were thinking, we already put out two music videos, one for You Lie, one for Bad News. And for this next, these next couple music videos, we were like, all right, let's let the fans decide. Let's see what the, out of the remaining five tracks, uh, let's see which ones kind of rise to the surface in terms of streams seem to be the most popular. And then we're going to make a music video, like make music videos for those specific, you know, top two tracks, let's say, um, because, you know, I'm self-funding everything, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to dig like too deep into my pockets, even though at the end of the day, I would literally go broke before, Cheers. before giving up on my dream, like straight up. Like I believe in myself so much. It's like, I would spend every single dime I have in order to make this work because that's, you know, self-belief is my driving factor. You know, there's been a lot of people who like, you know, didn't believe in this project, didn't believe in, in just me as an artist. And it's like, that really does give me a chip on my shoulder. At the end of the day, I'm doing it for myself, but I'm also doing it to prove, you know, sometimes people wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? What do you think people, how do you think people perceive you? Perceive me? Yeah, um, the people who you're looking to prove wrong. Oh, you're saying though, like the non-believers, so to speak. Yeah, well, why? What do you, how do you think they view you? I don't know. I think the biggest thing might just be like, oh, okay, this kid has already been so overexposed in recent years. Like, okay, is this next win going to work? This rebranding kind of like JVCKJ thing? You know, it kind of... I, and I get where like, you know, that confusion could come from because when somebody has been in the spotlight at a certain point in time and like, you know, they were, uh, they, they've been kind of like overexposed in the industry and now it's like, they're kind of working from a ground zero or square one. What would you call it? Square one type yeah. kind of place. Um, it, it definitely gets a little, it gets a little bit muddy because people are like, Oh, can I believe in this person if they've already had this crazy surge? You know, it makes them think like, is this, is this rebranding going to work? But to me, it's like, I personally like will always stick by this. I think good music speaks for itself. I think, you know, me as an artist, I'm growing and becoming better every single day. So it's like, you can compare what I've, what I'm doing now to what I've done, but they're just completely different things. Totally. I do. It's like a world, dude, your world's apart, your world's apart and you've matured really well. I mean, and I mean that from a musical standpoint, it's very cool. I appreciate that. Seriously. That means a lot. Sorry. It almost is like you're reintroducing yourself to people. Like, do you feel like you're a new artist or do you feel like you're somebody that's been doing this for a while? Well, no, I mean, yeah, dude, I, I really feel like I'm a new artist. Like with this whole, cause 
especially like towards the latter uh the latter tenure of like our jack and jack um there was there was a point where like man every time we would get like a, a new song to cut they would be like okay johnson you hop on this pre-hook you sing this like you know this little part that you didn't even have any hand in writing and like it seriously sucked the fun out of making music like it truly it truly turned into like a job at that point instead of a passion which i never wanted music to be that's never my intent you know as a musician is to is to do something for other people. I want to do make music for myself. And so um, just like from start to finish, this whole process of unveiling this project really felt like I was unveiling myself as a new artist for sure. And it was exciting because, you know, I think it's a, it's a different sound than has ever been in Jack and Jack music. Of course, I've been rapping in songs, but now it's like sonically, it's like, you know, it, it's up to me. And, and, you know, I'm calling the shots, which is really exciting because that's how I always envisioned music being. That's how it was when me and G first started. So that's why I'm, I'm glad it's like, you know, back to this. It's very exciting. Step Up, a record on the EP. Step Up, baby. Is it a reminder to you? Not really, dude. Really, just like, I, that's just how I feel about myself. I'm like, damn, I feel like I could be next up. So it's like, my, it was more like just like a braggadocious, like straight up hip hop ignorant record with a lot. It was kind of a bunch of baseball references thrown throughout. I'm not even a huge baseball fan, which is the funniest part. Like, it's like probably like my seventh favorite sport or something. You know, I don't even know. <laughs> There's but, a lot of sports before baseball. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't really watch it. I played it. Like my dad forced me to play it growing up. But, you know, I respect it. There's nothing nothing against baseball. But it was like, young and I feel like next up, watch me step up to the plate. It's like, you know, watch me step up to the plate. Watch what I can do with this next wave of music. Watch what I can do as, you know, Jack J. Um, and, yeah, that one was just more of like an ignorant, you know, turn up braggadocious record where I'm just kind of flexing on it, which I think, you know, is, is always great to have in juxtaposition with like, you know, the City of Thrills records and the and the new lies and the really like emotional, you know, ones that I'm trying to get people to tear up on. Um, and so that's why I left that for the back half. It felt like a good, like, you know, segue and to bring the energy up. But yeah, um, it's definitely like, I, I guess in a, in a sense, it's a reminder to myself. Cause you know, it's like, it's like, I'm up to bat. Like you can't keep me in the cage. Like let me out of the cage. I'm up to bat. And it's my, t- it's my turn to show the world what the f- I can do. So yeah, in a sense, I guess it is a reminder to myself. What does the name pastel mean? Pastel. Uh, it's an acronym. It stands for progression always starts through experiencing life. So, um, the way I like to break this down the best is, you know, imagine a color with no saturation, white, essentially. It's a fully desaturated nothingness. And then imagine, you know, a fully vivid color, just like, you know, uh, just a thick red, you know, a thick blue. I don't know why I use thick for my, my adjective. But, <laughs> it you know what I'm saying? Fully vivid, just like oh, as we best can be. Not really. Pastels, the pastel tones in general, they're the progressive state of any given color. So my whole concept be- behind progression always starts through experiencing life was, you know, I want this brand to, to push people, you know, my fans. And, you know, maybe if you're not even a fan of mine, I want you to like stumble upon the whole concept behind this and then take something away from it. And um, pastels, though, they're the progressive state of any given color. They're in that like 30 to 70% saturation, not fully vivid, not too dull. They just kind of hover right there in the middle. And we're all pastels in that sense, because there's always room to saturate ourselves more in life, progress more in life. You can never be a fully vivid color, you know, you can, you can get like 95% of the way there, but there's always going to be room for improvement as humans. And so to me, you know, I just see, I see humans as pastels. We're all progressing. We're always trying to, you know, saturate our palate more and more. So every single day and just grow. And that never happens through staying stagnant. So like the whole, the whole, uh, I guess like challenge for this brand is just like to the people is just, you know, get outside of your comfort zone. Like say yes to some new that you may have otherwise never said yes to, you know, go, go try to do something new, embark on a new journey, you know, meet a stranger, whatever it may be, whatever is going to push you as a human and keep you growing and keep you on your toes. That's life. That's what life's about. And being uncomfortable, like we mentioned earlier, is what's going to make you grow as a human. You got to step outside of your comfort zone straight up. You can't box yourself in. 
So that's the whole, you know, concept behind the, the project. And then the logo, we made it like a flower with like the P in the middle. Um, and, you know, cause flowers are always growing too. I've always loved using like flowers for themes. For mine and G's whole like non EP project, we use like a, a flower growing and dying. And so I've always kind of been drawn to like flower visuals too, um, and just nature visuals. And so I kind of tried to just hybridize all of that into pastel, the brand, you know, you can take it with the music, you can take it without the music. Um, we're going to be dropping a whole clothing line and like, you know, it's going to be a streetwear brand um, that I just want the, the message to sh shine through the streetwear as well. And so, you know, I want it to be just an all encompassing brand of mine. Pastel Records is the name of like the label that we're, you know, putting underneath right now. I want to start signing artists eventually. I want to have pastel studios where I have like six different studios out in Hollywood. Like in, they're all different colored pastel rooms, they're all different themed. I mean, I have a huge vision for this. But obviously, I got to take it one step at a time. I can't get too ahead. Oh, it starts of with you and your art, right? It starts with me. You know, the bigger I can make my music and my personal brand, um, the the easier all these other ancillary pieces are going to be to fall into place. You know, totally. No pressure. No pressure. Or, or I guess you can go and sign somebody else and then make money off of them. But yeah, who, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think you got it. Yeah, no, I, I I'm focusing on my first. That that signing other artists is definitely a ways out until you know I really make my stamp on the game. So yeah. How long have you been planning all of this? Because obviously a lot of thought has been put into it. Probably about a year and a half. Probably fresh after the European or after the U.S. Uh, Good Friends Are Nice Tour. That means you got off. I think we got off that in like April, May. Um, I went to the drawing board and it's crazy. I still have like the original notes of like my original sketches for the pastel logo. Um, I have like the whole first thing typed out uh, of like what pastel meant to me. And yeah, that was probably about a year and a half ago when I started conceptualizing this whole pastel thing. And it's it's sort of just developed uh, since then, you know, month by month. And it's just become more and more like it actually is happening now, which is so exciting. You know, it's been a long time coming. Um, but yeah, it's been a while. A lot of thought has definitely gone into it. Pastel the early days. So I'm assuming this is just part one of something more. Exactly. It's a good eye. Yeah. The, it's a, it's a, it's gonna, I, I intend for it to be a four project series. Um, and, you know, Pastel the early days is representative just title wise you know, of me, it's my first solo project. Uh, it's the early days. It's my infancy uh, as an artist, essentially. And so, um, past all the early days will be project one, and then we're gonna have project two, project three. Pro and the goal is like for the clothing and like the themes of the art, I want the, the pastels to become a little bit more saturated with each one. Um, and then the final project, I want it to be like all noir based. Um, so like, it'll just be like fully like black clothing with like little like the subtleties like the zippers let's say on the clothing will be uh pastel colored because you can get to 100 percent. you know you can get like fully like there but you can't you can't you can get to like 98 you can get to 97 but you can't. there's always room for improvement so those little subtleties will bring it back from 100 and so I'm, yeah i have all four projects kind of planned out um and now it's just a matter of getting the music right for them and and uh just diving in on like you know the designs for for the streetwear brand and whatnot which uh, that'll probably be coming in january the first one but I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's definitely the first part of an installment series for sure. There's going to be more than one. Pastel the early days. There's a link in the description below. Hope, hopefully, I'll be able to buy a bucket hat like the one on your head. Hey, I got you. We actually made – I think we're going to have them for the first line. We're going to have like a couple options of pastel bucket hats. So, wow. But I'll send you a care package. You don't got to buy anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> what are you thinking, Daniel? The only other question I had is like do you – do you think it's hard to be accepted to the hip hop community as like one of them? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. do you think you're going to make like the, the X, what is it? The XL freshman list or something? I mean, like, iconic hip hop list. Yeah. I mean, like I personally think I'm like one of like, you know, the dopest rappers out there in terms of lyricism, what I can do on the mic, like 
my wordplay. It's like, I think it's next level, you know, and, and that self-belief is like, what's going to make other people wake up, you know, like I, to me, it's not about those accolades. Like, you know, of course, A, it would be dope as f- be on XL freshman, you know, XXL freshman. But um, to me, it's like, man, like, I'm not like seeking acceptance from anyone, even though, okay, you know, I know how uh, the African-American community, hip hop was curated within that community. And, you know, like me being this kind of nerdy looking like white boy who like, you know, clearly is the furthest thing from hood is like, you know, it might throw some people off, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, hip hop's an art form. And and we even talked about, we talked about this in our first interview, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like way back. Mm -hmm. And to me, hip hop, hip hop's an art form. And I grew up just loving the genre, man, and, and respecting it and like listening to it every day and really doing my research. And, and now it's to the point where it's like, you know, I, I've been rapping since I was in first grade. And so uh, whether or not people want to accept me, you know, that's kind of on them. But, you know, I'm, I'm here to stay and I'm going to keep putting out music and putting out the music that I love. And, you know, whether or not you're rocking with it, that's up to you. But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I, I believe in myself. I know where I see myself and I'm going to get there one way or another. So, so either you, can, you can hop on the train or, you know, you can just watch from afar, but it's all good. Either way it goes. What is success here? What is dominance to you in the hip hop genre? I mean, there's so many different ways you can measure it, you know, it's because I never like to quantify it with like, okay, it's a numbers thing. It's an awards thing. It's like, oh, you got nominated for a Grammy. It's like, you know, those are successful accolades in their own right. But to me, that's not true success. You know, I just finished before this, I was doing a virtual meet and greet um, um, for, it was like kind of to follow up the shows that we did on Saturday with, with some fans. And this was all like European and I think Africa and UK fans. I guess UK is not part of Europe because Brexit or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um but i was talking to them and even just like literally hearing them say like how a song like city of thrills has impacted them or brought them out of a dark place like those little things to me are like how i gauge success you know and uh i guess on a more like quantifiable scale you know like i i want my projects just you know like stream in the millions and just go crazy and impact a lot of people you know millions of people worldwide um but to me that's not ultimate success ultimate success is you know just changing people's lives whether it's a million whether it's you know a thousand it's like Success can be gauged, I guess, in a million different ways. But, yeah, I don't really know how I gauge it, honestly. I'm just kind of like – I'm coming into this with no expectations. And so, you know, I, I find it weird to put an expectation on my – or put, like, a goal on my – and, like, I, I come in just, you know, taking it with the flow, going with the flow. When you were doing Jack and Jack stuff, did you go in with an expectation? I think at a certain point we did because we had something to compare it to. Like, we always had, like, oh, a previous tour. It's like, oh, we want to sell out this tour faster than the last tour. Oh, a uh, previous single, we want to get it higher on the iTunes charts than the last one or, you know, get more views the first week on this music video than the last one. Um, so I think there was uh, there was a point where we were kind of comparing or, like, you know, having that, like, kind of meter of success in our heads. But uh, right now, it's like, we're, like I said, we're starting from square one. And so I, I don't really have anything to reference it to except for my old Jack and Jack stuff. But I know, like, these are all, like, new channels, new mediums. You know, I'm, like, creating my own YouTube, like, we don't have, I don't have the access to all the Jack and Jack necessarily supporters from all those channels and whatnot. You know, I got to kind of, and which I don't want, I want it to feel like, you know, you're discovering somebody new. I don't want to just like milk off of what we have done and like use right. that to my advantage. You know, I want this to feel like it's a new artist. And so respect. I think a lot of people in your position would be like latching on like a life vest. Like no, like and I just like to me, cause I want to really gauge, like, I almost wish like all my, okay. Like, you know, I have like four and a half million Instagram followers. I almost wish like all the ones who just like don't really give a f- or like are inactive or like don't really care. I wish they were just like gone, like peace. Yeah. And like, so I could really see how many like true supporters I have. You know, I feel like my, my socials are kind of inflated based off of like how many people actually give a f- right at this moment. And so, um, but that's what's great about like the music videos and the new YouTube channel. It's like, you know, 
we got 30,000 subscribers on there in the first couple months, which is great. Cause now I know there's at least 30,000 people who really give a fuck, you know, and then I can gauge these views without, you know, having it be polluted by, you know, cross promotion from the Jack and Jack YouTube, which has, you know, almost 2 million subscribers. It's like, you know, if people care, they're going to find it. If people actually care about me, they're going to go watch these videos. And so now there's a new way for me to gauge, you know, how many people are like currently actively here right now, you know, and it's great. I think it's a, it's exciting because that helps kind of accentuate the whole new artist thing that I have going on. You are a new artist. Yep. Yeah. Honor. It's good though, because I feel like, you know, I have the experience of, of a veteran when it comes to, you know, yeah. being on stage, you know, I have so many shows under my belt and like, you know, it's great because now when the moment comes where I have to like, wow, somebody on stage, it's like, I'm not nervous and timid or, you know, awkward or anything. Like that. You're, you've taken with you so much knowledge and so much experience. You filtered out the good and the bad and yeah, you tackle this new endeavor with a fresh slate, but with a ton of experience and knowledge under your belt. So you attack it so differently. It's very lucky. This is a very cool take two here. Yeah, it's very cool. Evolution. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and yeah, we got like, and for any fans watching, I want to make sure they know like, me and G do have a lot of music like in the works too. We don't want them to think like this Jack and Jack done. But like right now we're focusing on like, you know, branding ourselves as, as individuals because it's easy to get attached to the hit at a certain point in life especially when like every day you're together doing the same shit, doing the same press runs doing the same you know responding to the same questions it becomes very easy to you know kind of just merge into one being and you know just be fully attached to the hip and we felt like hey if we we're ever going to blossom as individuals you know we're not the exact same person we're kind of like yin and yang in a lot of ways too like we're kind of like opposites in a lot of ways which is what makes it work sometimes in like um, almost every way physically yeah. Uh, I mean, like you guys really, yeah, you handle conversations differently. You're like very opposite in every way. You're very opposite. In a lot of ways, but that's why like we're best friends. Yeah, but, but it works to a certain degree. Yeah, totally. And so like, we were like, yo, we're not like, there's going to be so many things that we're going to want to do, but then we're going to have to be like, oh, do we both have to do it? Can one of us do it? So we felt like it, 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 it was a long time coming for us to, you know, um, for us to do this. I think we even talked about it in the most recent interview we had with you about us wanting to do solo music at a certain point. Yeah. I'm glad that, I'm glad it's finally here because we got a, so much more Jack and Jack still going on. We're starting a podcast next week. It's like first episode's coming out next. So there's like a million different things. There's a million different ways we can still be Jack and Jack without necessarily putting out every single record together. You know, we can be our individuals at the same time. Dude, you're a true artist. You deserve to allow your art to shine and get the attention it deserves. And do you exist unencumbered by anything else? I, I, I really think you're telling a real story and you have a real talent and, you can rhyme and you have an amazing flow. So I think you had to do what you had to do to be taken seriously and for people to be able to look at you, and, and, like I said, unencumbered, like not attached to anything from your past. So I, kudos, keep going. And uh, you're on a cool path. That is a fresh path. There's a link in the description below. If you want to listen to Pastel, the early days, uh, there's a comma in there. Let's be grammatically correct at all times, please. Uh, I thank you, Jack. Jay. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great talking to you guys again. It's been it's been forever. But but we need to make this very clear. There is a it is spelled J V C K and then there's a J. It is like an A but upside down, which is a yeah. V. Which let me explain quick before we get off. It was it was legal reasons. There's I guess a big European band, not even big. They're like pretty small, I guess. But it's like this European band had the musical copyright to Jack J. So, you know, I had to view it as an artistic opportunity and make some amendments, and now here we are, JVCKJ. <laughs> Still pronounced the same, though. Still JVCKJ, I like that. And honestly, you're not competing with one of my other favorite artists, Jack Johnson. 
And that's like a whole other thing. Like you are not banana pancakes. I don't, nope. I don't think you want to be banana pancakes. <laughs> no, not at all. Even though I love the dude, respect the dude, but you know, we could not be more different musically. Jack Thompson's work in the Curious George movie will forever go down in history as some of the greatest, legendary, greatest film sonic accompaniments of all time. What were you about to say, Daniel? Uh, Didn't you get some cameo requests that people were expecting it to go to Jack Johnson, but it came to you? (laughs) I probably got at least like three cameo, probably like four or five now at this point, cameo requests where it's like, it's like a wife saying like, my husband loves your song. Like, uh, he should be like, oh flake can you sing flake acoustic for us for his birthday and i'd be like yo how do i break it to him so i would just let him expire you know what i'm saying so they would get their money back like imagine if i actually like answered one and it was just me like singing banana pancakes or something. yeah they probably wouldn't have been too happy so i just i just let him expire Dude, you can do a mean cover of upside down i might have to i mean you know merge both worlds <sighs> jack johnson love him jack J. I appreciate you, dude. Thanks for taking the time today. I hope you guys have a great Christmas, and uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting soon, man. Yeah, where are you going? You going to Oklahoma or wherever? The f- no, oh, Nebraska. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> sorry. That was disrespectful, Zach. <laughs> um, no, you're good. You're good. We just kind of have a little like football beef, or at least we did back in the day. <sighs> yeah, I got when football was played. But yeah, um, I'll be back home for like you know a good five six days, just to see the family. You know, just lay low for a little bit. Enjoy it. Don't spread COVID and uh, get your tests and be safe, my friend. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Likewise, yo. Great talking to you, boys. Appreciate you, dude. See you later. All right. I'll catch y'all soon. Bye. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.